prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. My name is Xander, and with me today is The Glitch. Hey, what's going on, Xander? Not too much. We've got a special guest, a 20-sided ninja. Ultra special. Ultra special. A super okay guest, if you will. Some might say I'm super special. Super (laughs) duper okay special. Uh, So we have Dale here because we are going to talk about a game that's very near and dear to his heart, as well as mine and The Glitch. We are going to talk today about Super Killer Instinct. I do love Killer Instinct. Super Killer Instinct. Super Killer Instinct. Yep. The specifically the Super Nintendo version, not the arcade or any other version. (laughs) No, we're going to talk about Super Metroid released on the SNES on April 18th, 1994 in America and March 19th, 1994. They got it a whole month ahead of us. Lucky sons of guns. In Super Metroid 2, it is a 2D side-scrolling action-adventure game, which primarily takes place on the fictional planet Zeebs from the original game. It's a large open-ended world with areas connected by doors and elevators. The player controls Samus Aran as she searches the planet for a Metroid that has been stolen by Ridley, who is the leader of the Space Pirates. That about sums it up, right? Yep. That's it. That's the story. I mean, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So this game, this is uh, Metroid 3. So it takes place after Metroid 2 Samus Returns for the Game Boy um, and where that one ends of Samus finding the baby Metroid. She then takes it to be studied and then Ridley says, nah, bro, I'm taking that thing and takes it back to Zeebs. So that was fun. Yep. And he it for like a whole short period of time. Mm hmm. Eats it back to planet Zeebs. Yep. So what was your guys first experience with this game? Dale, since you're the guest, go ahead. Uh, I did not get a Super Nintendo until very late. Uh, I think I finally got one in like 96, 97. I bought it from my friend Matt and it came with five games and this was one of them. And to date, it is my favorite video game. I think of all time. Uh, it's not the one I've logged the most hours in, but mm-hmm. it's the one I've got the fondest memories of. Uh, at this time, I had a little like CRT 13 uh, inch VCR combo thing uh, that I had hidden under my bed. And so when I made my bed, I would uh, make it so the covers were really long and they almost touched the ground. So that way my parents could see it. Hmm. And uh, this was responsible for me uh, going to sleep at like four. When I had to be up at seven to go to school the next day. <laughs> I know that game. Uh, this game rules. It rules. Yes, it does. Glitch, how about you? What was your first experience? So this was kind of late for me. I definitely had a Super Nintendo growing up, but we didn't own this game. Uh, we had the original Metroid on the NES and super difficult. So as a kid, I never touched it. Mm-hmm. Then I was probably... Was like sophomore in college i had bought metroid 2 on the game boy and it made me think like oh i need to i need to play these games because mm-hmm. I, I had a copy of super metroid by that time so from the start i played metroid beat it metroid 2 beat it and then super metroid 
And I can tell you this, it's easier than Metroid, <laughs> like right off the bat, because Metroid is super difficult. But uh, I had such an amazing time playing this game. And I, I like kick myself for never playing this in my earlier years, because it is like the perfectly refined Super Nintendo game. Like it's hard. It's in, and we'll talk about it later. But when you're talking quintessential Super Nintendo games, mm-hmm. this is always one of the top five. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I also didn't play it growing up. I, I had friends who had siblings that had it, and I watched them play it. And I remembered seeing uh, the original Metroid. My brother had rented it, and he played through it quite a bit, and he really enjoyed it. But I f- same thing. Like I when it came out, and I first had a chance to play it, I was like, I don't understand what this game is. I don't know why I don't advance. I don't see where the end of the level is, and I didn't understand it. And so I never really played much more of it. And I got super Me- or I got Metroid two as a Christmas present from my aunt. And uh, I played a little bit of it. And just the same as the first Metroid. It's like, I don't understand how this where's the end of this level. Why can't I fight the boss at the end of what's happening? I never finished Metroid two. And so I was like, mm, maybe the Metroid series just isn't for me. I maybe I just don't understand it. And then uh, Sean, the arcade phantom, let me borrow his copy in I think it was like 2001 or 2002 because I'd finished Castlevania Symphony of the Night and I was like man that was such a good game he goes well you should probably play this one I was like oh man Metroid and me we don't really get along too well but I'll give it a shot I guess and I fell in love with this game the just this the sense of satisfaction of of finishing it was like it was incredible like there's no there's no story to the like there's that little bit in the beginning like hey let me tell you what's happening and then you get on planet Zebes and you're just like okay here you go. No narrative. Just go. And you, there's nothing that really tells you like you find the animals that tell you, oh, hey, guess what? You can wall jump and you've been able to since you got on the planet. Oh, I was so mad about that because I thought the same thing. Like when you get to that area where the, the little creatures are jumping off the walls and you're like, yeah, how do I get out of here? And then you finally realize, oh, you can wall jump. And you're like, oh, yeah. And I could have done it this whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky because everything else is like an ability you have to unlock. And then this one is like, oh, you've had it the entire time. Sorry that we waited till like a quarter through the game for you to find out. Um, and that's what I really loved about this game was just all the, the it felt like I had truly accomplished something instead of the game saying you should go here and do this. And I just I loved. I thought Castlevania Symphony of the Night was going to be my favorite style of game like that. And then I played Super Metroid and realized how wrong I was. Yeah, I, I mean, think yes. it's uh, go ahead. Dan. I was going to say I think it's uh, a testament to the game that we talk about how little story there is, mm-hmm. but we all have such a deep connection to it. Uh, I think it it does it did what Dark Souls does very well now back then in that it kind of told the story through the atmosphere that it was in. You know, things like oh, you're going through this area and then you turn on the power and everything changes. Or, oh, there's a dead guy here and you don't necessarily know his story. Oh, wait, right through the next door is a boss. Like all of those sorts of things were Mm -hmm. way ahead of their time. Yeah, I think there's a lot of moments in this game where at least for me, I felt there was like a wow, that was super cool or wow, that was like really startling. And so it it does that whole like storytelling through art and like, you know, uh, the way it goes. There was uh, there's a moment in the game where you get into the room with those like statues that usually have like a power up or a new unlockable thing mm-hmm. and there's nothing in his hand and you can't get out of the room. Mm-hmm. And so then you walk over to it and you like do that morph ball 
into it and it stands up and then just starts walking yeah. and brings you to like a secret area. And I remember like my mind was like being blown. Like I was like, this is so insane. This is so cool. And you checked every one of those statues afterwards, just in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how it, uh, it, it kind of, it teaches you those things and it kind of becomes almost like Pavlovian. Like you, you're going somewhere and you, you see a, a, a block. You're like, that looks a little bit weird. I better bomb it to find out if I can go through it. And just all the different explorations. Um, speaking of that, did you guys hit the same wall your first playthrough as I did, where you felt like you had explored the entire map and you couldn't find the next place to go, only to find out that there was that glass tunnel that you had to blow up with a super bomb? I was yes. going to bring this up. This was in my notes. Yes. And I thought I had gamed over <laughs> because I was like, oh, no, the glass broke. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, I felt it's like funny. such a dummy. Because after that happened, you were talking about like, oh, you got to go through and you got to bomb every place. After that, I was like, oh, I have to super bomb every place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and when's the, the last time you guys have played through Super, super Metroid? Uh, I think I, I played it more recently than, than most games. So like two years ago, mm -hmm. I think I did a playthrough of it. Uh and I did much better than the first playthrough because I remember the first time I played this, it took me like 11 plus hours mm -hmm. because I didn't use a guide. I just kind of want to like play it on my own. And I was the type of person like like Dale says, like, you just got to bomb everything. You go to a wall and you like, I don't know if I can if, if this can go through or not. I, if it gets destroyed, I'm just going to do it. And then later you get the x-ray, which kind of mm -hmm. helps with that. But I still only got like 90 percent of the stuff. I was so mad. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, two years ago I played it. I think I beat it in like uh, like seven hours or something like that. That's pretty good. Uh, I played it when it came to the Switch uh, Nintendo Online mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I didn't play through it. I only put about two hours into it. Uh, but man, it's so good. I think the last time I actually played through it was probably at this point 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would have probably been the same for me. Uh, but when we first started talking about this, uh, doing this episode, I thought, man, I should probably just play through this again or just get my myself familiar. I thought I was going to th throw a couple hours and then I played through the entire thing and finished it the other night. So nice. <laughs> yeah, and you and had I, a good time. It was like five hours or something. I think right? yeah, it was like five and a half hours. Um, and I think it was the first time I'd completed the game since I originally completed it back in like 2002 or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got 69% of collectibles and then I started nice. watching speed runs, right? I started watching speed <laughs> runs, specifically the, uh, the one from GDQ of, uh, oats and goats doing, um, 100% map. And I mm. realized there is so much of the map that I didn't even see. And it made me want to play the game again, <laughs> which sucks because I've got two other games. Like we're doing a community playthrough of, uh, link to the past right now. I never finished the breath of the fire or breath of fire three. So I need to do both of those, but all I want to do is boot up Super Metroid to play through it again. Yeah, I'm halfway through Breath of Fire 3 as well. I'm behind. I think I'm like in the same spot you are. Mm -hmm. uh, but since you talked about the speedrunning, uh, I want to get into a little bit of that. So this is probably the, I would even say the second most speedrunned game, period. Mm -hmm. like there's super mario 64 which is i mean just like everybody plays that yeah. right and then like this is like right there behind and the crazy thing about it did you guys want to give a guess 
Uh, most games have like an any percent, a hundred percent, sometimes a low percent or like a mm-hmm. glitch list and things like that. So there's usually like four or five categories on like a kind of popular game. With the categories in this game, and then they also have a category extension, which is even more. Do you guys want to guess how many categories there are for this game? Mm, I'm going, just because you said it's a lot, I'm going to guess that there are 42. I'm going to go lower than that. Assuming that we're playing by prices Right rules, I'm going to go 25. Uh, no, 84. What? I win. <laughs> there are 84 different categories to run this game so if you go onto the site and you're like i want to get a specific world record in this specific thing you have 84 options to choose from so i know wow. um i know there's there's map completion i'm assuming there's 100 i'm assuming there's any percent there's um, low percent or low percent yeah yeah and each low percent has its own like gun oh geez for low percent too Okay. So is it stuff like without there's, armor? Then there's like, you know, backwards one, bosses. I watch one handed reverse order, two controller, one person two. like, I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I sat there and I was like, all right, I got to figure out how many there are exactly. That's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, but anyway, so the, there isn't any percent. It's the most popular one. It's got like a thousand entries. Uh, but the number one spot is held by Zost. Uh, he has a time of 40 minutes and 55 seconds with an in-game timer of 27 minutes, because that's how it used to be uh, determined back back in the day, um, which is actually, I wanted to mention real quick, there's a guy named Summoning Salt who's a lot more popular now than when we started you know, doing speedruns on Legend of Retro. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a guy called Hoda Ruby, and he's like the original like big time, like when people were like, this game is so optimized, that no one's ever going to beat this record. He was the guy that had it, and that was like the, the early 2010s uh, i just want to mention that but you should definitely check out summoning salt did a world record progression video and he goes through the whole timeline and he talks about hoda ruby and the adgq 2014 four-way race i don't know if daily you ever saw that where it came down to like the split second um and then also the fact that the speedrunning community started the save the animals yep or, or save, save the, the frames save the frames I saw uh, one of the the speed runs. I I had had someone say, "Frame the animals, kill the frames, or or kill the kill the saves, or something like that." Dale, did you want to explain to people what save the animals, save the frames is? Yeah. So in the speed running community, obviously your goal is to finish the game as quickly as possible, Uh, and when you do that, you have used less game frames. And so at the end of the game, spoiler warning: after you defeat the big boss. Uh, there's a room that you can go back to as uh, Zebes is like self-destructing. And if you do so, there are these animals that helped you earlier in the game that you can essentially free from uh, a, a prison cell that Mother Brain had put them in. And so if you go back to get them, that's the canonical ending because these, en- these animals show up in later Metroid games. Mm-hmm. But doing so causes you to skip i want to say it's like 24 or 32 frames some it's a very small number but it equates to like almost a second of game time and so uh as an incentive every year when they do super metroid at these various uh events they will 
have people bid. Do we want to save the animals or do we want to save the frames? And I actually had a, a shirt a while back uh, that was glow in the dark. And in the light, it was just Samus Iran's face with save the animals uh, written around it in kind of like a never mind the, the buzzcocks. Uh, yeah, logo. never mind the bollocks. Never mind the bollocks. Yes, thank you. Uh, but when it glue in the dark, it was a skull instead of her face, and it said "kill the animals" instead. <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. Nice. Um, I, I do. Uh, well, I, I used to until COVID do a video game tournament uh, twice a year, and uh, proceeds go to charity. One of the charities we picked was Michigan Humane Society because we're here in Michigan, and uh, my wife made a bunch of shadow boxes. And two of them were Super Metroid ones that were themed to save the animals. And one of the scenes was shooting the wall to save the animals at the end of the game. That's, That's awesome. so cool. Yeah. Hot take. I don't like this COVID thing. I want more video game. <laughs> well, uh, I'm actually Xander, okay with it because uh, I am the most recent and now longest reigning champion of the Morelli mm-hmm. video game tournament. So yep. yeah, he's still champ. Yeah. So until uh, if they can kick back in. And I'll just have to defend my throne again, which has there ever been a back to back winner yet? Yeah, my cousin Ryan, who won the very first one, won the previous the year, the the tournament before you did. Gotcha. So on one of the face plates, because I put like everyone's it's like a Stanley Cup. I put everyone's name and like the, the day and the time uh, he's on the same plate top and bottom. That's where he's at. Nice. Um, there are a lot of bosses in this in this game. There's a bunch yeah. of mini bosses, and there's four main bosses. Did you guys have uh, like who was the hardest? Who was the easiest? Anything so like the, that? So the four main bosses we have: Crade, um, Ridley, uh, is it Dragon? That's how I say it. Uh, what's the other one? Fantoon. 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 Yes. I think. Fantoon is pro- was probably the hardest for me. Just because I didn't realize like if you shoot it with super bombs, it's going to go into this like I hate you, please die <laughs> kind of mode where it's just like spitting out all those blue flames. And then he I realized fast. Yeah, he goes fast and then you have to realize like oh, just hit him with something softer and he won't get as mad as quick. So I think that that was a little bit harder. Crade was super easy for me. I was I was kind of surprised how easy it was in this one. And Crate really is wasn't super too easy. bad. Crate yeah. is super easy, but it's also incredibly impressive because you first go into the room and it's just like a regular boss. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the fight, he bursts through the ceiling, yeah. making him two screens tall. I remember <laughs> when that first happened, my jaw dropped. I was like, games could do this? <laughs> Uh, uh, I, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Hardest boss for me was actually Spore Spawn. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, just because I was like, I was young. I was so focused on the boss, I wasn't paying attention to the little things falling oh, from the ceiling. Yeah. And it was like, why did I die? I don't even know what hit me. He <laughs> didn't shoot anything. What's happening? How about you, Glitch? Uh, so easiest, honestly, Mother Brain too. Yeah, I don't know why, but that fight, I don't know if like because I had all the power ups, I had all the reserve tanks, like it just seemed so easy, like at that point. Um, Are you and talking I didn't have about much difficulty. after the Metroid? Because <laughs> that one's supposed to be easy. No, no, like the whole fight. Oh, OK. Uh, 
Yeah, the whole entire fight. Yeah, no, when the Metroid uh, gives you superpowers, yeah, that's that's super, super easy. But I just thought the whole fight in general was uh, just kind of underwhelming. The hardest one that I had, it was, uh, it's called the Gordon, Golden Torizo. Oh, Golden Torizo. Oh, yeah. Torizo. I don't know. I had such a hard time with that. I may have died, if I remember correctly, the first time I played it against mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I'm sure because I did too. I just also- couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do damage on him like it just seemed like it took forever because he would just catch your missiles and th- just throw them back at you and then like it would catch your super missiles and if you try to shoot regular missiles at it, he just sidesteps it's really annoying uh, i do want to bring up the boss crocomore did i say mm-hmm. that right yeah where you push that was back. the coolest one yeah i like that one. He- <laughs> yeah go ahead uh, you got to shoot him down the hallway and get him into the swamp. And then once you think it's over, you're heading the other direction. He just like comes out of nowhere, like skull, like all his bones and stuff, and just melts in front of you. Yeah, yeah. You get him into the lava. It's the same as the ending of Terminator Two. <laughs> it's yeah. really sad because all he wanted to do was come give you a hug, <laughs> and then you just pushed him into lava. It's really sad. Zebes is a tough planet. You get a, sure you get a, it's a bunch of pirates. You get a take care of yourself i hate the uh the the ninja pirates at the end like right before you oh, fight ridley the, the ones yeah, on the could, wall well the ones where you could only hit them if they had like jump kicked you mm. or like they're completely invulnerable to all your weapons until they jump kick and turn gold for a second and then yeah i didn't i was not a fan of that the thing with my most recent playthrough is i forgot where a lot of the power-ups were and so i knew like i know how to get past this but I don't know how to get past this. <laughs> like finding where like I there was one part in the wrecked ship. I made it through a spot that you're probably not supposed to uh, without the gravity suit. And then I was trying to get to where I knew a power up was because it, it showed up on the map as like the little dot. I was like, well, that must be where the 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 gravity suit is so I can start moving freely underwater. And I finally got there and it was a energy uh energy capsule and i was really upset about it <laughs> so then i had to like go online I was like where, where the heck is the gravity suit and so i was like oh i completely missed this other branch of you know this the, the hidden spots the yeah. yeah like i went over there and i found missiles i was like okay i guess that's all there is and then i didn't realize that there was like just a little bit more to the right a second hidden path that takes you back into the wrecked ship and then that's where you get the mm-hmm. You do the thing with the the Chozo statue that grabs onto you and takes you down to the gravity suit. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, I got a couple did you know Easter egg stuff you guys might be interested to know. Um, So the Varius suit was actually a translation problem. It was supposed to be Barrier suit. Oh, yeah. In the Metroid 2 manual, it actually says Barrier suit. So that was something interesting. When Samus dies, she explodes and then she's in her underwear because her suit, you know, dissolves. You mean he? But in Samus sure. is a guy, right? <laughs> all correct. All yes. video yeah, I heard his. I heard his name is Justin Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the Japanese version, uh, she is wearing nothing when she explodes. So oh, those Japanese! They sure like to see that nudity. Uh, That's metal on skin. That's no good for anybody, <laughs> right? A lot of chafing. You gotta yeah. tape them. You gotta tape those things. <laughs> uh, something really cool I found out uh, right before the Dragon fight, there's those like four green monsters that kind of like 
float around the screen and it always mm -hmm. seems like super random the, the pattern they have mm -hmm. it's actually not a random pattern because the programmer uh keisuiko fuji was actually spelling out keto love keto was a girl that he was dating so if you take like with your finger and follow the first leading like i don't know what they're called it's like a they, spiky they look creature. like the model look like the babies yeah yeah uh and it says it spells it out in curse of keto love which is actually something pretty cool yeah that, yeah. that is cool i didn't know that uh so speaking of the development of this game this was uh developed by nintendo r&d one which was managed by gunpei yokoi I'm sure that's a name you guys are familiar with. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, creator of the Virtual Boy, among other uh, other aspects oh, that work heavily on the game. Poor, Boy. poor man. He made so many great things for Nintendo, and that yep. was his last thing. Yep. But uh, Gupe Yokoi didn't uh, have a lot of faith in this game and was constantly disappointed in the team. It was a team of 15 people, by the way, who made this game. Uh, mm. I, th I thought the credits were like, unnaturally short when i watched them when i finished it recently and then i find out it was it was literally only 15 people but they were constantly missing deadlines they were uh so yoshio sakamoto who wanted to make the game uh he was very passionate about it he kept pitching it and kept pitching it and everybody kept saying no we don't we're not going to do this like the other metroid games have not sold very well we're just not we're not going to do this and so he finally he just kept at it he was he was persistent and then finally like, here you go here's a small small team of people go ahead and make your game and then like i said they kept missing deadlines everybody was saying like this game isn't going to go very well and then obviously the game is great and actually gunpei yokoi eventually used this game he was so impressed with it that he when people would bring him video games to like pitch if he didn't like it he'd say you know what you should do is go play super metroid and see if that makes you think of a better way to do your game and i thought wow. that was really cool that's a huge accolade. Yeah, especially when Gunpei Yokoi didn't like really give accolades on anything. Like he he was mm -hmm. very he very rarely like sung praises about things, but he absolutely loved this game, even though he naysayed it the entire way through development. Um, I do have a little bit on the reception of this game because obviously it's Dale's favorite game. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in the world general, it's it's a lot of people's favorite Super Nintendo game. Um. It was the 33rd best-selling game on the Super Nintendo. Uh, it sold 1.42 million copies. And we, we've we done lists. I think, what was it, Complex that did that top? Yeah, Complex. Oh, yeah. Top I mean, as, as, as terrible as that list was, they still had Super Metroid in the top four, which I think is, it's always like, if you ever look at a top Super Nintendo list, it's always like Chrono Trigger, Link to the Past, Super Mario World, Final Fantasy and Super VI. Metroid. No. That's that's always the number five. That's never that's mm. never in the top four. I feel like it's constantly between Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, and then everything else is after it. I think you're wrong. I think we can we wrong. can agree to disagree, <laughs> but know that I'll curse your name <laughs> through the night. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was beloved by fans uh, today. I mean, it didn't sell well in Japan apparently, but in North America, it did great. Um, and the game, uh, I, I do this a couple times. I go to Game Value now. I take the last four months pricing of the game mm -hmm. and I want to see if you guys can guess the current price for a loose copy of Super Metroid. How much is it selling for right now? Uh, Dale, you go first. $16. $16. Sander? Um, Not price right rules. Yeah, I'm going to say it's higher than that. I'm going to guess that a 
a loose copy of this game still runs probably around $30. Uh, 4924 is wow. Yeah, it's not yeah. cheap. Anymore. Yeah, I'm not not surprised by it because it was I mean it sold 1.42 million copies by uh I think late 2003. So it was definitely a popular game, but I think as far as like the physical version of it, uh it's probably a harder game to come across because people who have it don't want to get rid of it. That makes sense. It's true. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, yeah, we, I wanna go uh, uh, I was just gonna say one of the things that surprised me most about this was it was not a great success in Japan, but it was a huge success in North America to Glitch's point. And then they didn't come out with another one for eight years after this mm-hmm. until Metroid Prime was released. Yep. And I so with Metroid Prime might have to be its own episode another time, but I remember being oh, so yeah. so in love with Met- Super Metroid that I was like, there's no way a first-person Metroid's going to be very good. And I, like, naysayed it for a long time. Did you guys ever play Metroid Prime? No. I loved it. It it's was so good. so good. <laughs> I, and I was the same way. I was like, wait, the new Metroid's not going to be 2D? It's going to be terrible. <laughs> no, it was amazing. Yeah. And I, I've played a little bit of Echoes. I never played three, so I want I I want a Switch version of the the Prime trilogy so bad. And then of course we're supposed to get Metroid Prime Four sometime. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. It's a weird. It's a weird kind of like love hate story that Nintendo has with Metroid. It's obviously such a beloved series, but they just they they tend to to take a very long time making sequels. Except for yeah. for whatever reason, Metroid Prime Two came out i feel like really quick and then metroid prime 3 and then it's like oh every once in a while we'll we'll maybe talk about it but it's a real shame because metroid i mean everyone that i've played has been pretty great i I hear kind of mixed reviews on other m so i don't know what that's all about but fusion was good zero mission like all I've, i've enjoyed everyone that i've played and i've not played metroid prime federation for so that's notwithstanding right well, when did that come out? Metroid uh, Federation Force. Federation Force, I think, was either 2016 or 2017. So they just got they're waiting eight more years. That's the problem. Uh, 2016. So, so that's when we get it. So yeah, 2024. Sorry yeah. guys. Oh, that's that's close. That's close. It's sad because it is close. <laughs> it really. How is. brave of us to assume there'll be a 2024, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's everybody's starting to get vaccines now, right? That's we we can do it. I'm not saying it's the the Rona that's going to get us. <laughs> oh, fair something. enough. <laughs> we're we're go, we're real close to destroying ourselves. Yeah, is there a meteor that's coming like towards us uh, in like a couple weeks? Yeah, I think that meteor is called climate change. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's just hope that Samus can save us animals. Yep. Uh, so anyways, we had kind of touched on with the story. There's there's not really a an overt like slap you in the face narrative, but you do kind of if you pay attention to some things, you notice that um, after the Ridley fight, you go into an empty room and there is the broken canister that the the baby Metroid was in. And then as you uh, get back to Turian, you find a gigantic Metroid that's just literally sucking the life out of everything to the point where it's dust and falling apart. But then it recognizes you. And then you kind of put two and two together like, oh, that's the baby Metroid and it loves me for freeing it from captivity or taking it off the other planet. And yeah. uh, it's it stands by your side. 
well, along sort of. the way, on the way to Turian, though, you start finding other regular Metroids that don't recognize you. And at that moment, my mind clicked like, oh, wait a second. These were extinct and now they are not extinct anymore. What happened? Like, like what has Mother Brain been doing? Mm-hmm. And it turns out nothing. It's just been running around eating everything. <laughs> <laughs> Were those other ones, the ones, um, I think they were in Meridia, were those actually Metroids? Yeah. I know they looked like it. I just, I, I, was, if I was, wow, that's just word vomit there. As I was watching the speed runs, they called them Mocktroids. So I wasn't sure if there was some kind of lore in the, oh. the, uh, in the instruction manual or something that I didn't know about where it was like, maybe Mother Brain had made those to kind of simulate a Metroid. Mm. Interesting. I, don't know. I was under the. I was using the looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Right. That's uh, fair. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's really interesting. Yeah, it could even just be because I mean, yeah, once you're on Turian, they they look like actual Metroid as opposed to the other one. So it could be that that baby Metroid had baby Metroids. Who knows? Someone smarter I mean, than me will have to look that up. Yeah. Right. Let's let's just hope that these parasites are are doing that kind of thing. So it's really really neat when you fight the. Uh, when you fight mother brain again, um, that baby Metroid sucks on and tries to suck all of its life source out, but it's not quite strong enough to do it. And I assume that Metroid died, right? We saw it blow up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's real sad. But but before it does that, it gives you rainbow power, which is super cool. Yeah. The hyper beam was so awesome. Mm -hmm. Case the rainbow. (laughs) Well, glitch before we, uh jump into music do you have any anything on glitches that's, that's um, I mean, you're... yeah there's so many and i i started making a list um but it was just like really tough to to kind of pinpoint because there's just a lot I, I will say there there are a couple um when you're going into the final room to fight mother brain it's it's structured similar to the first metroid yeah where you have to get through like these barriers you got to shoot the barriers down um, and then you, you get to Mother Brain and they're they're shooting like SpaghettiOs at you. Right. Um, but actually, if you take damage a certain way, you can actually jump through the first barrier. And the way the game was designed was the other barriers don't load until the first ones are destroyed, like the ones before it. Mm-hmm. So you can actually just go through the rest all the way to Mother Brain without having to fight any off fed off any of those barriers. Um, there is a there's a big one and it's 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 got its own category for. uh it's the glitched run. So essentially you could beat this game in like 11 minutes technically. Um, but it uses the x-ray beam a certain way. So if you get stuck in the door, uh, you can just x-ray back and forth and it kind of takes you off screen. And then from there you can kind of move around the entire planet your own way. And that's mm-hmm. how you get like the, the power bomb super quick. That's how you get the, uh, the x-ray super quick or, um, so one of the ways they get the x-ray is is doing like a screen thing. But then once you get the x-ray, that's how you get like the wrong warp is what they call it. And it sends you essentially to the end of the game. And that's how you beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Go, that can go as quick as like, what, 12 minutes or something like that. Yeah. So it's 11, 11, uh, 38 is the uh, is the time. Seven minutes in game timer. Which I don't oh. think it was designed to even read that. That's crazy. Yep. I do love how well explored this game is by speedrunners. Yeah. Just like that. There's not an, a pixel of this game that hasn't been scrutinized. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like all the, the different techniques and whatnot that like, as my, as I went and played through, 
I didn't even realize were things like the uh, the crystal flash where you can trade ammo for health. That's something I didn't realize was a, was a thing. Um, and then they do like moonwalks, which allow them to drop faster, which mm. that's a lot of the different speedrun strats are really cool. Um, and then there's holding down. I want to say your charge and the morph ball will spit out like five bombs or something like there's so many cool, like hidden things that I'm assuming they're in the, the instruction manual. I really probably should have looked that up for this episode, but I have it in front of me. They're not. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. The crystal thing always confused me because I didn't know that till years later, but it's in the game. Like it's part of the, yeah, it's programmed into it, but yeah. that was something I never really It's got its own either. special animation and everything. So it's, it's, it's yeah. clearly not like a glitch. Uh, so for that to work, you have to have your energy lower than 49 reserve tanks have to be empty. You have to have 10 missiles, 10 super missiles and 11 power bombs. Uh, so you select the power bombs, morph in and hold down diagonally down or aim diagonally down and aim diagonally up and then press and hold fire. And then when the power bomb explodes, uh, you'll see like a flash go around Samus. The suit disappears for a second and then everything comes back in and then it eats that ammo. And then your health is like fully restored. Very useful. Yeah. So I, awesome. I was watching uh, Super Metroid Impossible. Have you guys seen that? No. Yes. I so have. Super Metroid Impossible was a uh, ROM hack in 2006 that this guy designed for just like people who have been like hardcore playing the game are super good with wall jumps and all the different mechanics and whatnot. And he like alters the map for things to happen and almost randomizes where weapons get. So like you don't get the various suit until after you beat Ridley. So oh. you're like going through lower Norfare without any kind of armor. So you're constantly trying to have to manage your health and stuff like that. So I watched him fight Rid the oats and goats fight Ridley. He he started it off by having like almost no health and then he just does the crystal flash and then that's his his way to get through that. And then there's other things where like you if you have more than 30 bot or 30 missiles then the golden chorizo will like do stronger attacks. There's like so many different optimized things. It's crazy. Like it's it's a game that after watching that that playthrough I'm like I'm never going to do that version. I'm never going to be that good. <laughs> the game was never intended to be to be beaten. Like that's how hard it is. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, so real quick question for you guys, since yeah. I had this uh, instruction manual in front of me, what's your favorite power up? Man. Um, and why is it screw attack? Because <laughs> you can just keep useful. jumping. Well, I guess it's, it's screw attack and, and space jump combo. I would say the ice beam because it helps you give like other platforms or froze enemies. I thought that was the most useful one. Mine actually is screw attack. It's because any game, like any Metroidvania where you get new mobility options mm -hmm. opens up so much insane stuff for you. And the screw attack is basically like, yeah, you can fly. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, like, you can fly and also damage enemies and you're more or less invincible while you do it. Yeah. And they built that into the game and they're like, yeah, this is fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another reason why Metroid is a lot harder than Super Metroid. <laughs> right. Man. I would probably say, I guess the Are you a morph ball guy. No, I like actually spring ball. <laughs> I really liked. I really liked when you could jump around as 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 morph ball. So spring ball is is definitely up there. And I like is it wave beam that lets lets you shoot through walls and stuff, or is that the space? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wave beam uh, pierces some obstacles. Yeah. I like the, just trying to get through some, especially as I was running up against those doors that would shut every time you'd go through them, having the, the wave beam so I could get through that was, was really nice. 
because I backtrack a lot. So any other uh, parting thoughts on Super Metroid before we start talking about the music? Just how good it is. Yeah, it's just so good. It's just great. Yeah, if you've not if you've not played Super Metroid, you really owe it to yourself, especially if you're a fan of of the Metroidvania style games. Um, obviously, there's a lot to be said about Metroid and Metroid Two, but this is the one that really kind of perfected it. And once we get into the music, I'll talk about probably the one thing that I would like to see improved if they ever made a remake of this game. But I feel like for the most part, it's like a 99% perfect game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll listen to a word from one of our partners and then we'll get into the music. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room, but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit Tiltify.com slash Mott Children and play for the little victors. So the music in this game was composed by Kenji Yamamoto and Minako Hamano. Um, and some of the songs call back to the original soundtrack, which was composed by Hirokazu Tanaka, which is one of my favorite uh, old-timey Nintendo composers. Um and as I mentioned before, a 99% perfect game. I love the soundtrack to this game. It's grown on me, especially as I've played it more recently. But I really wish that they would have done what Nintendo seems to always do anytime they make a new iteration of that game, which is take songs from the original soundtrack and make them, like kind of redo them and put them more into the game. I love that that first Metroid game's entire soundtrack is phenomenal. Like it's something that I can listen to whether I'm playing the game or whether I'm not, if I'm out driving, whatever, I love listening to that soundtrack. I don't have that with Super Metroid. If I'm like working or doing whatever else, I can listen to it and it's good. I like to kind of listen along to it, but I I still have a hard time like like riding my bike or driving or something and listening to it. I'm like, you know, I can, I can skip to what's next. Yeah, Super Metroid's soundtrack is, for the most part, really good at feet and making you feel isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. It's got a really good ambient sound, but I agree that none of the songs are like, Oh yeah, this is a bop. Like this is my jam right. <laughs> aside from a few. And we'll talk about those briefly. Yeah. The, the soundtrack is, is very atmospheric and it does it wonderfully when you're playing the game. It's everything fits in there perfectly. You don't, it, it, it seems like a great soundtrack at that time, but it's like once you disconnect it from super Metroid, I don't feel like the songs stand out as well as the original Metroid, but yeah, that's my one, one great, but let's talk about the songs that are bops, the songs that we do really enjoy. Uh, so we're going to start off with uh, criteria, the space pirates uh, pier, and this is a, a pick from Dale. So let's go ahead and we'll take a listen to that. Thank you. 
So that is criteria. The space pirates appear, and this is uh, kind of in the first area as you're kind of getting reacclimated with Planet Zebes. Um, before you find Brinstar and you start going back through that, it's a whole new, whole new area. But it's a good, good song of kind of uh, setting the tone for what this area is supposed to be. Like you're back in familiar, you're looking for something. There's new enemies that are showing up. It's kind of got a, uh, again, that like you mentioned, an isolating but also kind of a dreadful kind of sound to it. Like you're exploring this area and there's new things that are popping up and very atmospheric. Yeah, it's one of those songs that makes me feel like. Oh, I'm going to die soon. <laughs> and I should I should probably just learn to embrace it. Right. Like that driving bass and drums behind it with the very sparse melody on top. There's just something haunting about it. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the very yeah, slow timpani. It's definitely a track that has you like on your toes. Like it, something's about to just jump at you. And mm-hmm. it's just it really does. I, I like how Xander said we talked to it even before we started recording. It's just one of those soundtracks that really gets you uh, in the game like as it's happening. Yeah. But yeah. So the next track is a little bit more of a uh, a bop, if you will. Something that, that has a little <laughs> bit more going to it. It's it's still got that atmospheric sound to it, but it has more of a classic kind of soundtrack. And this is uh, Brinstar Overgrown with Vegetation. Thank 
So one thing I didn't really notice while I was playing the game is how long these loops are. With something yeah. with with the criteria, like that it goes on for a while. This was almost two minutes when we finally reached the part where that loop hit. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, I really appreciate how they made these long loops so that when you're in these areas for seemingly forever, <laughs> you're not getting tired of the same like 20 to 30 second loop over and over again. Yeah. I kept waiting for it to, to loop. I'm like, man, it's not going. And then a new part of the song would kick. I'm like, oh, this is sweet, too. I like this part. <laughs> yeah. When the marimba hit, I was like, what? I thought yeah. I had already listened to the loop. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> marimba. Yeah, that's the uh, that's one of the best Chris Bandicoot songs that uh, that, that are on the game. <laughs> <laughs> the next song we're going to take a look at is the theme of Samus Aran Galactic Warrior. And this plays in I think they uh, the speedrunning community refers to it as the Lost Highway. It's that spot in the top right corner after the wrecked mm-hmm. ship. Um, yeah. But it's got a really it's got a really cool kind of like uplifting, hopeful kind of sound to it, which isn't normally prevalent in a lot of these tracks. So let's take a listen to that one. that is the theme of Samus Aran Galactic Warrior. And I feel like we, I'm, I'm actually kind of super nervous for this episode to air because people are going to be like, that's not how you say Samus's name or that's not the right. Because I feel like this, this has such a beloved following. 
and everybody's just going to scrutinize all the things that we get wrong and say. So I'm just going to apologize now for all that. Just well, we mispronounced it on purpose. We should apologize at the beginning because I feel like Zebes is that how we were saying it? I don't that's how I've always right. said it. <laughs> yeah, and that's again from, from just watching GDQ and and see the, everybody argues about how it's actually supposed to be pronounced, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. I've I've always said Zebes, and so I'm I'm sticking with it. It's definitely Samus Aaron, right? <laughs> this is this is super meteoroid. So well, you know, yep. whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, so playing through the the game recently, this song really stuck out to me in that area. I was like, man, this this sounds so much more cheerful than uh, than anything else in the game. It's got a lot of I mean, it's, it reminds me get, a lot of uh, like the link to the past soundtrack, the, the way the, the trumpets are supposed to sound. And what's funny is this game came out in 94, so it's it's significantly older, but it still sounds like an early Super Nintendo soundtrack, but it's it's good. It, it's you, it takes place right after the wrecked ship. And so you've just gone through this desolate, like destroyed area. You fought what some consider to be the hardest boss in the game. Mm-hmm. And then. And it, it's that like, oh, hope springs eternal. Right. You know? <laughs> so the next song that we have uh, is going to go back to a shorter loop, uh, a more uh, you're going to die kind of sound. This is uh, big boss <laughs> confrontation. we go from one of the like most hopeful to the most dreadful (laughs) but it does fit in a boss fight man that that's that gets me nervous it's a classic boss fight right there that's a great song absolutely yeah i love how it plays with the mix to like bring out even more dread Mm -hmm. you know there are parts it feels like it gets a little bit louder at a certain point too just like oh you thought everything's cool no we're gonna get louder (laughs) Yeah, that's that's exactly what, like it, it feels like they bring it down a little bit. So you're like, oh, maybe I can. No, you can't relax. <laughs> All right. That's going to take us to our last song of the evening uh, in or I guess morning, depending on your listening. Anyway, the ending, the the song that plays during the credits. So let's take a listen to that.
So I didn't intend to let that full song play, but then I just couldn't stop. <laughs> You're welcome. It's so good. Yeah, it's I love the, so incredible. I love that it brings back the theme of Samus. I love that it brings the uh, the original title screen. Like so many just good moments of light motif in there. Just it's such a good track. A, a fine yeah. reward for finishing this game. And depending on the time you finished, you get a different ending. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. With the, I love a different amount of Samus's clothes coming off. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that song, like everything else in this, feels like sci-fi and dystopian, and even uh, you know the the theme of Samus. There's a little bit of horn in there, but nothing too crazy. And then this, like flute, triangle, screw it. <laughs> Let's go throw all the instruments in on this one. Yep. Um, so Tony, you reached a little bit on the, um, on the endings. So I know if you save the animals, there's a, a brief second, right. As, as the planet explodes, you can see a, a pixel go off to the right as they find their own ship and, and fly off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. W- what is the difference if you don't save the animals? Do you know? There's just no sparkle. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's just no little glint of light leaving the planet. There's just nothing. Cause they die. Okay. Because I remember it was someone said, oh, yeah, it plays a difference on the ending. And I was like, I don't I don't see what the difference is. But, yeah, I guess it really is just that little that little speck. Cool. Which even to the naked eye, like, I feel like if I would have saved them or not as a kid, I probably would have never noticed that. Right. But it like, is a cool how... kind of thing, especially after playing fusion and the animals come back in and like, yeah, just to know that that's what that is. Dale, Dale looks like he's looking something because I feel like he, he might have a different answer for us and he's nodding. So there might be actually be something different. But yeah, I always just assumed because there is you do have to kind of go off that beaten path away from your ship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in total, it ended up taking like 20 plus seconds just to just to save the animals. Right. And is there um, is there any sort of indicator in game? And I feel dumb asking this because I just finished the, the game like two days ago. But I the right. only reason I knew it was down there was because I'd watched a video uh specifically uh terminal montages uh super metroid or something about super metroid (laughs) which if you've not seen that you need to go watch that because it's it's great watch all of his videos because they're all incredible yeah terminal montages great videos i i don't remember anything from it and i I can tell you this i never saved the animals as a kid when i used to play this game yeah i don't think i did either yeah it actually i i just looked it up it does not have any effect on the ending the ending is literally just playtime aside from the white light okay that's what i thought from the exploding gotcha fair enough any uh any other thoughts on super metroid before we 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 close the chapter or close the book on this that's it go play it seriously if yeah, you haven't go, go play it go play it and yeah then when you're done playing it go watch terminal montages something about <laughs> super metroid and, <laughs> and find then go all watch, its endings then go watch summoning salts uh world record progression and then go watch the agdq 2014 four-way race and then play it again yes and then play it again yep absolutely cool well let's uh let's jump into our retro relapse for this week before we uh we wrap up this episode completely Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. So we played a game and the glitch didn't pick it and I didn't pick it because we have a special guest. And uh, Dale, so let's tell us a little bit about uh, about this game and and what what brought it back into all of our minds here. Okay, so... uh... 
the year is 2021. Yes. And it is carved as the last line on the tombstone of Adobe Flash Player. Right. It's the year that they discontinued Adobe Flash Player. And so I'm on a different podcast called Super OK, uh, where we don't necessarily do retro games, uh, but we do like broad ideas. And so one of the episodes was all about Flash games. Uh, and we asked the community, hey, what was your favorite Flash game? And mine, or at least one of the one of them, was a game called Fishy. It's a very simple game. You are a tiny fish in big old pond, and there are a few tinier fish. When you eat those tinier fish, you get bigger. But watch out, because there are bigger fish, and they are trying to eat you. And so I talked about this. Uh, the glitch reached out and was like, yes, I also remember that game. He actually corrected me a little bit because I thought it was called Feeding Frenzy. Uh, but that was the like Xbox Live Arcade name of it. It was just called Fishy. And so that was the game that we played today. Yes, we did. Um, it was my first time ever playing Fishy. I had played Feeding Frenzy, so I did I did notice the uh, the similarities there. And um, so I set up our uh, our time to record and I gave myself a little bit of time to play this beforehand. And I ended up playing this game the entire time that I was waiting for everybody else to jump on. It's uh, it's very simple, but I also couldn't stop playing it. It's so yeah, you, good. You beat it. Actually. I did actually. There's a, have you, have you finished it, Dale? If I did, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember such an accomplishment. What, what's going on? There was no flute or triangle. <laughs> New rounds yeah. didn't have achievements back then. So we can look and see if we did that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So um, the, I thought the, the first time that I got a decent chunk of the way through my, my score was like 4,000 something. And I thought, okay, well, I, I, I did pretty well. I'll remember that number so that we can discuss what our high scores were. If you guys happen to remember and then I played a little bit more and I got 6,000 something. And then I I got to a point where uh, Glitch and I were in here and uh, waiting on Dale to jump in. And uh, I just kept playing and I got so big that eventually I was just moving up and down and just eating everything. And there were no fish that were even close to my size. Uh, and when you get to a certain point, the game just cuts out. So my game, uh, my score at the end was 33,288. And it says... <laughs> In big red letters uh, in Comic Sans, you ate everything and completely destroyed the pond ecosystem. And the water's all gone, and it's nothing but fish bones at the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the the game. I beat it. I did it. Yeah, Yeah, I remember I was listening to that episode, Dale, uh, Super OK, where you guys did the Flash games. And as soon as you said the fishing frenzy, fishy frenzy, I was like, oh, God, I think I know what game he's talking about. And I like pulled it up on Newgrounds. I was like, this is it. It's fishy. This is the game. I totally played this like back in college because I was all about Newgrounds back then. Newgrounds was like my like my homepage. Like I would basically turn on my computer, go to Newgrounds, see what's uh, like the top five for the day in videos and games play them and then just be like all right i'm done for the day on my computer <laughs> i don't need to do any work on it. Now. <laughs> i love it man yeah also i mean we just talked about super metroid soundtrack fishy only has one song but mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah it's it was loud it was really loud. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it was a good like 15 second loop wait hold on you don't equate volume with quality <laughs> no i don't 
<laughs> oh no i'll quiet down then what's that, uh, <laughs> what's that in uh, airheads if it's too loud you're too old right i suppose <laughs> yes. that is I, I guess i'm too old for fishy or maybe fishy's just too old i'm not that's true entirely yeah. certain. Dude, fishy is so old i had to look on like six different websites before i found one where i could play it again it was ridiculous yeah, I uh, I just <laughs> I'd forgotten to play it. Like this morning, I was like, I need to find fishing and I need to play it. And then every mm-hmm. chance, like, so I've uh, I've got two kids. One's three years old, and one is is four four months old. And they're on alternating sleep schedules now through the day. So my son goes to sleep, and then as soon as he's waking up, my daughter's going to bed, and vice versa throughout the entire day. So I get Oof. like twenty minutes sometimes to do something. And I, every time I sat down, I was like, I need to play fishing, and I get completely distracted by something else. And so uh, I was like, if you guys find a link, because there's no way I'm going to do it, just send it to me. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up I, playing it for a good half hour. Yeah, I think I played for about 20 minutes or so. Uh, and I died because I tried to eat a fish that was the exact same size as me. Yeah, that's which, the tricky part. Yeah, I wish there was some sort of indicator in it. But also it's a game from like a million years ago before <laughs> like outlines existed. Mm-hmm. So how could they do that? Right. I almost think it they could have just made you a different color, but then that probably would have been confusing as you go from a goldfish to like a blue fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I would yeah, just, and it's, I, it's it's permadeath too. So I mean yeah. it's it's a one hit permadeath. If you eat a fish that's too big, you die game over. Guess what? You're starting back over as a little bitty fish. And when just you like get to a real certain life. point, when you get to a certain point and you're like big but not bigger than the biggest fish that's on there your hitbox to eat fish is significantly smaller than every other fish's hitbox to hit you. And so you're, you're the dodging gets really difficult. But once you get to the mm. point, like I said, where my fish was the entire screen, I was just hitting <laughs> up and down until I destroyed the ecosystem. I can't wait for you to start speed running fishy, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm all like, RNG though. That's tough. Yep. You'll see me at, at GDQ 2024. If we get there. <laughs> yeah, well, then he won't be able to play it because Flash is dead. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I missed my chance then. Dang you, Corona. Uh, man. So normally we, we dive into the game about the developer and other stuff they've done, but nah. <laughs> this, this game existed before such records. There's yes. not even a Wikipedia page for this game. <laughs> I can't even find who made it. Like, it doesn't say anything on there. So uh, the Newgrounds one, it said it said uh, at the beginning of it. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, I clicked on the link that, that Dale sent me, which was not Newgrounds. Oh, uh, okay. And it could be different. I mean, I don't know what. Uh, so we'll just credit this to to the internet types. in the early two thousands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they made a lot of really fun games. Uh, but Xander. Yeah. This was this was your first time playing it. What do you give it on the eight bit scale? Man, I would play it again. Um, I, honestly, I give it a I'd give it a six out of eight. The only the the drawback is the uh, the game ends, and there's not really a clear indicator aside from swimming next to the fish and hoping you don't die uh, of whether or not you're big enough to eat it. So those two things get fixed. I'm I'm giving it an eight, but with those two things in mind, it's a six out of eight. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five out of eight um it was definitely a good game to play in college between court between courses um but you know there's not much more than just eating fish fair enough but i it's mean still enjoyable yeah from a nostalgia standpoint alone 
That's the only thing that bumps it up to a six out of eight. I think uh, realistically, it's probably a 5.5, but no, six out of eight. Also, <laughs> Flash is dead. Seven out of eight. I've gone mad. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we'll, we'll take it. All right, that leads us into our Mega Man Robot Master theme bracket for this week. Uh, I'm feeling real, real sad about it, but we'll we'll carry on because it's still Mega Man. It's still good. Um, this week's matchup uh, is between Splash Woman from Mega Man Nine. So we'll take a quick listen to that. by Ipo Yamada. It's a great tune, and I've said it before. This was my uh, my wife's ringtone for a long time. Whenever she would call me, I'd hear this. So that's that- every every time I start to hear the song, I think, oh, my wife's calling. Which, coincidentally enough, she did send me a text message. <laughs> so, <laughs> it wasn't completely off. Now, did you uh, mean for that to be a double entendre, or was it accidental? What's that? For this to be her uh, her ringtone? Splash Woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he did it on purpose. Okay. It was a female robot. Yeah, so I had a, a lot of my friends. I gave them all uh, Mega Man theme ringtones based on their personality. No, nothing, uh, nothing quite like that, Dale. Uh, <laughs> for those of you not in our Google Hangouts right now, no, that's not no, not what I was going for. Uh, for me, this song is so great, and it's hard for me not to hear Mega Ran. Uh, if you guys are familiar with him, he is. He does uh, so good. video game music, and this is one of his best tracks. Splash Woman. He does a story about you know fighting her but being in love with her and they you know that she ends up laying her sword down or her staff to say uh so he can proceed and it's just a fantastic track and unfortunately i don't think splash woman's making it past this round so uh it was my only opportunity to uh to say listen to mega rand's splash woman fair enough and glitch is assuming that the downfall is going to come from mega man 3's magnet man which was composed by Harumi Fujita and Yasuaki Fujita, a.k.a. Bun Bun. Uh, No relation between the two. But let's check out Mega Man 3's Magnet Man.
so I, I was thinking, like, it, it can't be that bad, you know? Like, there's a good chance Splash... And then I... Yeah, no, you, you're probably boned, man. That's a, that's a great song. <laughs> it's such a great song. It's, it's easily one of the top tracks in any Mega Man soundtrack at all. See, what's funny is I listened to the first 25 seconds of the loop, and I was like, this isn't that good. It sounds like something out of, like, Pack Attack or something like that. And then at the 25-second spot it kicks in and i'm like oh yeah all right sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a Uh, there's a remix of this one uh that was on a a promotional disc that capcom put out that starts with uh it's almost got like a uh i think it was a klezmer which is like the traditional like jewish instrument like a lot of the the traditional jewish songs it's got that kind of sound to it and craig and i always said this is magnet man's bar mitzvah song and it's just it's (laughs) such a good version of that song that i always think of that every time i play that so uh, but Xander, if people want to vote, how can they do that? If people want to vote, they've got four different options to do so. They can go on our uh, Facebook page um, and find our polls that get put up usually around noon every week. Um, and you can get a vote there. You can join our discord and there's a emoji poll that goes up every single week. You can follow us on Twitter at Legend of Retro GZ. And that is uh, a poll that goes up there. And if you want to be a Patreon supporter of at least one dollar, you get an additional vote there. So you can vote for your favorite song up to four times to help it get through the bracket. Um, And at the $1 mark for Patreon, not only do you get your additional vote, you get access to a bunch of other perks. Tony, you want to tell us about those? Yeah. So at $1, you get that bonus vote, but you also get state of the Zilla. Uh, We're a network of awesome podcasts, uh, GameZilla media, and we do a state of the Zilla podcast, which is only available for our $1 patrons. But if you're generous enough to give us $5, you get all of our bonus shows. So we have Game Shark. And once a month, we release an episode where we do top favorite lists. We do favorite games in a genre. We've done Rhythm of Retros. Uh, and at the beginning of the season, we did our draft. So if you want to know who sniped Magnet Man, it was a big surprise, I can tell you that. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode and you can find out who picked what. Uh, but we do have a guest on our show today. Dale, tell us, tell the audience about what you do and your podcast. Yeah, so uh, I'm part of the Super OK family. Uh, we've got a podcast called Super OK. Uh, like I said earlier, we kind of talk about larger themes in video games. So we rarely speak on a specific game, uh, but more things like Flash games in general. Uh, the most recent episode as of this recording is the difference between gimmicks and innovation in video games uh so larger topics kind of like that uh i also stream on twitch you can find me at a 20-sided ninja on twitch or on twitter um and you know come come check it out if you like if you like video games there's no shortage of content Mm -hmm. and we're some of that content that's right and uh if you like video game music which if you're listening to this podcast i assume you do super okay did an episode about video game music and inviting me to come talk about it we had a super great guest it was you a super okay guest i did no, a you super were super great, great. <laughs> you, I appreciate that's it. the thing about super okay the hosts the regular hosts we're fine our guests are always amazing <laughs> Well, I wasn't fishing for those compliments, but I I wasn't fishy for that compliment, but I'll take it. (laughs) Now I'm mad at you. Okay, well, that episode's (laughs) already been recorded, so (laughs) you can't do anything about it. I guess you can take it down. But do go check out uh, Super OK. It's a great podcast. Comes out, was it every Monday or Tuesday? 
Tuesdays. Every two. Every well, Tuesday. it's Monday at midnight. So right. Tuesday. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what confuses me because my my podcast upload. My son usually wakes up around like three or four in the morning, and I'll start listening to a podcast while I'm feeding him. Then, so all my stuff updates then, and so that's when I the the that hour time blurs. So I never know what kind of day it is. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, go check out Super Okay, um, and then also all the other Gamezilla Media Network shows, um, particularly Legend of Retro. Just listen to us all the time. Just do that. Yeah, just listen. To us. That's fine. <laughs> the other ones are good. Yeah, they're they're okay. just not as good. Yeah, that's right. Perfect. I'm see. I'm so glad that you can you can be the voice of reason for us. <laughs> they're only good when members of Legend of Retro have been on them. Accurate. Yes, <laughs> we are the best. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much to Dale for coming over from Super OK to talk about Super Metroid. Thank you hey, to R&D1 for making Super Metroid. And thank you all for going and playing Super Metroid and telling us how dumb we are for saying things differently than you. Dale, anything else you want to uh, promote while you're here? I mean, just fuck you, Dan. All right. Fair enough. Perfect. Tony, how about you? You got anything else you want to push? Uh really video game tournament hopefully we get that back up and running and uh never Xander can defend his title never well, i've got I a new job i may be able to actually attend one of these yes. nice all right I, I i i want coronavirus to leave but i also don't because i want to be the longest reigning champion forever without doing any additional work <laughs> hey how about you defend your championship instead of being a coward about it nah that's too much work <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening guys We will catch you all next time When when the the legend legend continues Here's another week where we didn't have any bonus content, so I'm just going to plug myself. I've been running a lot of a uh, Super Metroid and Zelda Link to the Past randomizer lately, so if you like that kind of thing, come hang out with me at twitch.tv slash and You can find info in our Discord. Hope to see you there. Sorry this wasn't very funny. <laughs>